Hi everyone! Welcome back to Kim and I. <laughs> um, we had a little bit of time off, but in light of Women's History Month, which was last month, Kim and I continued various conversations related to women's empowerment, feminism, and we were talking amongst ourselves and something really interesting came up related to gender norms, masculinity, femininity. We were talking about nuclear families and we were thinking that nowadays the roles of men and women are so different than they used to be. So we were wondering whether feminism and the whole women empowerment movement is potentially breaking down the traditional nuclear family. And is the role of the masculine altered today because of the feminine movement and increased attention to women empowerment? In general, historically, traditional masculinity, traditional femininity used to look pretty different than what's going on in today's society. So we were just discussing what's going on with the various gender roles and how things are shifting and changing and how they're actually affecting men and women. So I guess to start off, this wasn't a distinction that I was aware of beforehand, but there is a difference between women empowerment and feminism. Would you like to provide us with the distinction? So first, like the difference between feminism and women empowerment has to do with one being a socio-political movement. Feminism is a socio-political movement and consists of ideologies that aim to define and establish the political, economic, personal, and social equity of the sexes. In this case, focused on women. Empowerment is more about the promotion of your self-worth, being able to make your own choices, influence social change for yourself. So that's where feminism as a movement and women's empowerment is different. Saying that you are an empower of women is more related to promoting women and their choices and the the rights that you have. But when it comes to feminism, it really is more of a political movement and looking at it from more of like a sociopolitical mm -hmm. point of view. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. And it started in the 1900s, that movement. Yeah, I know a lot of people fear labeling themselves as a feminist and i never really understood why because to me feminism was all about equality and it was on par to women's empowerment so would you identify yourself as a feminist no because i think the, the word feminism it just it subscribes to a very strict male or female gender binary and when someone says that they're a feminist, it can be taken to mean that they see extreme differences between men and women and not so much the similarities. And that can be really polarizing. Um, gender roles are always crossing over. To say that you're a feminist, to me, kind of implies that you're way too extreme towards like, you know, only sticking for women. I see myself as more of an equalist. I believe that both men and women are to be taken seriously, all sexes, you know, both sexes and all genders are to be taken seriously. So I'm not really that much of an extremist. It's also the way that feminism was kind of started as a movement by white women in the South. I think it was the 1960s, sometime in the 1900s, because white women wanted more rights um, compared to their white male counterparts. And it didn't include black women back then and forget about asian women or any other you know races being a part of the mix but 
just where feminism stemmed from I don't truly agree with I don't think it even encompasses um, all women which is why I know that in women's and gender studies I studied that in school they say that instead of saying you're a feminist the new term is womanist on a very technical level oh I've never heard of that term before but I guess back to the topic of whether or not feminism is disrupting the nuclear family, I can get into a bit of what exactly is a nuclear family for those who aren't mm-hmm. aware. So a nuclear family essentially is a social unit comprised of a couple and their dependent children. But for centuries, it's been the foundational cornerstone of society. Nuclear families were the dominant form of human kinship during hunter-gatherer times, and it accounted for more than 90% of human existence. So it's a structure that's been set in place for as long as we've been alive. Yeah. it. I mean, the nuclear family has been our society's foundation. And I mean, it's the, the, the term nuclear family was defined by anthropologists to define traditional families in a society. I know it started off as like a man and a woman and children. In today's day, I think anthropologists are saying the family group can consist of parents and a children. But... It can also invite other individuals such as grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, same-sex partners. So in that way, it shifted. But in the traditional nuclear family, you have the father and the patriarchy and the mother and the matriarchy. And the father is a provider of financial stability and the mother was traditionally the caretaker of the family. Which is what we were kind of talking about, how like those roles seem to be shifting now and how that's like that pot is totally being stirred. You know, we don't, we're not necessarily seeing the patriarchy as being the sole provider of financial stability the way that it was back in the day. And women are not the only ones just being the caretakers of the family. But I know we were talking a little bit about why that's happening. Yeah, so feminism can definitely backfire. So feminism, or rather, some feminists believe that this traditional idea of a family is antiquated and repressive. And I think in an effort to advocate for equality, some feminist organizations have actually gone against the movement. Uh, so, for example, back in 2005, there was a joint custody bill that was introduced in California, and it was opposed by feminist groups. Women have also fought to exclude male victims of domestic violence and state-funded services. So there's been this lack of inclusion of men in these discussions, and efforts seem to drive more of a wedge between heterosexual monogamous partnerships. And... There are beliefs some hold that marrying and starting a family is a betrayal of womanhood, that marrying, having children, and assuming the role of a housewife is on par to being a slave or a prostitute, which I feel like is an extreme belief to have. Um, But however, like how society is to be arranged isn't spoken about in these discussions. It's more so complaining about the patriarchy, but what methods can we take to, to even resolve this problem? Yeah, no, that's exactly why it is extreme because now we're creating this like huge division between men and women for like no reason. But I think both parties need to be included in the conversations. Yeah, there was an article that you sent me that was really an excellent read from Medium. I think it was from Nikita Kolumbe. Um, But in it, she was expressing that there's an emphasis on equal rights and a de-emphasis on equal responsibility which I thought it was an enlightening point to bring up because there are things women don't want to do that are are ingrained in men. So, for example, oftentimes women don't want to pay on the first date. We don't want to go to war. You know, we don't necessarily want to do the dirty and dangerous jobs. And when it comes to issues surrounding the pay gap, right, 
I in, in my research I've been learning that oftentimes it's because men are doing more intense and dangerous jobs they're working later hours right because if women are the homemakers the caretakers men have more opportunity to be working these like longer hours more stressful jobs and as a result get higher pay yeah I know I that article is really interesting it was it was like highlighting that paradox that there are things that are so traditional and unique to a man's role such as like getting down on one knee and proposing to a woman a woman like women still want the man to do that or like paying on the first date but it's paradoxical because like why do we want certain things done in a traditional way but when it comes to other things it's like we don't want it done that way we want rights when it comes to that and that's where it gets super confusing because there's a reason for everything like you're saying with the pay and the jobs like there might be a reason like certain jobs like men men are getting paid more things like that that we're not highlighting so it's really hard when you're trying to get rights for women with certain things I think what I think what we're trying to say is that men are just confused they might be a little bit confused about the role to be played Mm -hmm. about what is going on here what do you really want and what are we even supposed to do to make you happy and to make this system work if that makes sense Absolutely. There's one line in the article that really stood out to me, and I wanted to hear your opinion on it. But in the article, she states, women don't have to prove that they're worthy of love as much as men do. How do you feel about that? Mm. That's very interesting. Okay, this is going to dig into a little bit of... I've done a lot of research in the past on masculinity, femininity, how the feminine energies open up, how masculine energies open up. I know we've touched on it a long time ago in the past, like briefly, but that line, can you say it one more time? Women don't have to prove that they're worthy of love as much as men do. Yeah, I think that actually stems from how traditional family roles played out in nuclear families and how traditional masculinity and femininity works. So men used to go out, get jobs, make a paycheck, make money, and be the providers of a household. In turn, they would come home and provide. That masculine energy of like protect, providing protection, you know, comfort, and just being like this, this cage that encompasses like a woman, like provides for like the family and the woman. That, by doing that, they get their love. Does that make sense? That's how they have derived their self-worth. That's why to this day, you see so many men that I think a lot of guys, they just think in terms of how am I doing with my education? What type of job do I have? How much money am I making? Do I have the foundation to be able to provide? Maybe they don't talk about it to women. Maybe they talk about it themselves or maybe it's just this inner competition that's inside guys' minds all the time. But I think that guys do measure themselves up off of how much money they're making, how much, how effectively they're able to provide and they derive a lot of their self-worth and their value and in turn, um, like what you said in that line, like they have to almost like prove themselves and prove their worth by what they're doing. Whereas like traditional femininity is more just about being and it's more just about, you know, you exist, you're a woman in, in a female form, like you are enough. And women don't have to 
strive to be protectors and providers as much. That is changing now because men and women are sharing the burden of providing, right? They're assuming equal burden a lot of times. We have more stay-at-home dads. We have both men and women taking on the anxieties of earning money and creating a living more than ever before. But that line, like what you said, actually um, I think has to do with historically how like masculine and feminine energies have worked and how men have derived their value in society yeah so like in the context of a nuclear family the way men show their love is by providing because traditionally they aren't the homemakers you know nowadays as you've mentioned it has shifted a bit but for for as long as we know like men have been rewarded for doing as you mentioned and women get rewarded for being so men have to constantly prove themselves by producing things society values and that's where they they view their worth from exactly because it's always traditionally been that way so now here here we get to the confusion this is like the crux of why we were talking about this right that is feminism women empowerment and changing gender roles breaking down the nuclear family essentially is it shifting and breaking down the man's role and how he's deriving his self-worth so if a woman is providing for a family if a woman is going out and getting all those same jobs that he has traditionally gotten and used to you know provide for if a woman is taking on that role what does that do to the masculine the masculine energy and to a man's role in a family Mm-hmm. But how would you say this affects people on a more like individual level, right? Do you think the men we we see today they're that confused? Well, this would this is this is a matter of opinion. Like, how do you feel about stay-at-home dads and women being the sole provider or the sole breadwinner of a family? How do you feel about splitting every first date or you paying for the first date? as opposed to the man, how do you feel about getting on your knee and proposing to the man that you want to propose to? How do you feel about killing all the spiders in the house and when something scary happens in the basement of your home that you're going to go there with your mop ready to attack whoever's in the basement? How do you feel about taking on, how do you feel about fixing the cars and doing all the dirty work, um, that men have traditionally done how do you feel about it okay for for your first point about how i feel about women being the sole providers and men being the caretakers i think that's just a matter of choice if this is what brings people happiness if this is what they choose to do rather not feel like they're forced to amazing even if it's switched the other way just more traditionally that is perfectly fine if that's what works for that couple and that family it's none of my business how you live your life you know i've been in relationships where like i've gone dutch many times it's not something i'm against but in terms of like the overall romancing aspect to it yeah it would be nice to be treated out for dinner and not be expected to pay but i i see from the male's perspective how that could also be stressful for them when they do end up providing and not receiving I love chivalry, but for me to claim to be an independent person, of course I don't mind paying. But yeah, what what do you think? I think we're going to have to look at this from different angles. One is like, this is a little all over the place, I understand, but I'm sure we'll get to a conclusion So or some, some sort of outcome. So we have biological differences between men and women, right? So if you could just touch on 
the biological differences, then I'm going to get into, like, on a spiritual level, energetic level, what the differences between masculinity and femininity are. Because I think that's going to help us understand that, like, value add that each opposite sex has on one another. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are biological differences. Different hormones drive us to have different preferences, approaches, and values. So, like, telling women that they must live as men do and compete with men, that's just set up for failure. We shouldn't be pitting ourselves up against and comparing ourselves to how men are biologically because they are more advantaged in a capitalistic system. Yeah, definitely biologically, we're wired differently, like, on a hormonal level. Men don't carry the same hormones. Their bodies don't work the same way that female bodies work. And even on a reproductive level. And historically, in, back in the day, like hunter-gatherer times, that's why men had an advantage to going out and hunting. And that's how the role of a woman ended up being staying back and being more of like the caretaker and the one looking after the house or the tent or the hut or whatever they had back then. <laughs> like that's how those roles were assigned on a biological level. So that makes sense, right? And that's how this whole like provider-caretaker role started which now anthropologists have termed have deemed to be like nuclear families but now if we look at masculine and energy and feminine energies this is something that is subjective but there has been a lot of research in terms of what constitutes a masculine energy and what constitutes a feminine energy like the yin and the yang like the polarity between the masculine and the feminine so typically shamans and a lot of spiritual like you know leaders and and even scientists like based on hormones and things like that they say that the masculine energy is more active expansive giving it's about protection confidence clarity responsibility inner strength focus courage discipline it's more logical left-brained supportive it's stable and it has a direction it's assertive and it's certain. A feminine energy is more passive, contractive, intuitive, inward. It's about unconditional love. It's more nurturing, tender, kind, sensitive, emotional. It's about flow and ease and feeling and creativity. So you could see the difference between those words. You're seeing direction and logic and protection and providing and like confidence when you're talking about you know attributes like carried in masculinity and you're talking more like affection gentleness vulnerability and emotions when it comes to femininity so when you were saying like earlier in our conversation what does the masculine get by being that competitive dominant industrious like protector and provider it gets that feminine energy in return because the feminine feels safe in the presence of the masculine because he has this direction and this dominance and this protection that she can flow into her like gentle emotional nurturing vulnerable feminine energies and a woman's vulnerability like a feminine vulnerability opens up like the the man's vulnerability like it it exposes the man to like the masculine like to the to their own vulnerability and that masculine energy provides this like container for like feminine energy to like thrive if that makes sense so in spirituality 
it's a polarity like they say like this is very um and we've talked about it in a in a prior episode but that this is a very necessary polarity it's even the case in same sex relationships it's the case even in a in a if a man and a woman are together and a man is more feminine and exhibits more of these feminine qualities it's going to attract a woman who's more in her masculine so the confusion here is women want men who are in their masculine like they want men who are these protectors and who are in this like masculine energy that i outlined before but it's paradoxical because we're trying to take on so many of the roles in society that are quote-unquote masculine so that polarity like that natural polarity is no longer happening as effectively as it did back in the day and it's actually very healthy because you can't have healthy sex you can't have a lot like you can't even carry a healthy relationship if you can't follow like if you can't find that polarity in your relationship i know that was a lot but i just wanted to get into that because i wanted to talk about that's the value add of being in your feminine that's the value add of being in your masculine I think these differences, as you've mentioned, also carry into the workforce and how there's a gender imbalance in it. Through my research, there have been two studies by economists and social scientists which reached a conclusion stating an important part of the explanation for the gender gap they are finding are the preferences of women themselves. So when it comes to certain math and science-related jobs, substantial numbers of women highly qualified for the work stay out of those careers because they would simply rather do something else. So this is just that a certain amount of the gender gap might just be a natural artifact of a free society where men and women can forge their own paths. So there's a significant difference in what men and women value in their work. And as you mentioned, that could be a biological thing, an evolutionary thing. 30 years ago, the study of mathematically precocious youth began following nearly 2,000 mathematically gifted adolescents, boys and girls, tracking their education and careers. And what they found was that the math precocious men were much more likely to go into engineering or physical sciences than women. Math precocious women on the other hand, were more likely to go into careers in medicine, biological sciences, humanities, and social sciences. Even though both sexes scored high on their SATs, and the data showed that women weren't discouraged from certain career paths, it was their own choice to select the field they wanted to go into. So the survey data showed a notable disparity on one point, which is that men relative to women prefer to work with inorganic materials, and women in general prefer to work with organic or living things. So basically, highly qualified women opt out of certain technical and scientific jobs simply because they can. Um, It also shows that women tend to be able to verbalize a lot better than men, which opens up their opportunities far more than men. However, they choose to not commit to more industrious, more intense occupations because of their own preference and their own choice. And I guess in the context of a nuclear family, this could be because if they are expected to be the homemakers, how then could they commit to more of these intense roles? Yeah, or they're choosing to be the caretakers and the homemakers. Mm-hmm. And there's that shift. I can tell you, honestly, from what you said right now about those like roles and how like certain like men are choosing certain roles and women are choosing certain roles in the workforce. I can tell you from my personal experiences what it feels like to be too in your masculine as a woman and how like it can actually make you feel imbalanced. So I'm going to touch on something that is so crazy. This is literally one of my theories like 
I have to put a stamp on it <laughs> or like trademark it or something. It's a little off topic, but it just came to me, so I'm gonna share. So I have like I have grown up with a lot of like responsibilities and I've had to take care of a lot of things like in my in my life. And so I think I've always had that kind of um I've always had a high amount of testosterone in my body. I also have the health condition polycystic ovarian syndrome, which part of that like is having high levels of testosterone and an imbalance in hormonal levels. So I truly believe that my imbalance, like that I have this condition and that I have this imbalance in my hormonal levels because of how I grew up and how much in my masculine I was. I always had to protect, I always had to provide, I always had to do everything, figure everything out. I didn't have like a proper masculine energy in my life to make me feel safe to surrender into my feminine. And I always ask myself, would I have been healthier on a hormonal level? Now in the past year, as I left financial services and I left my high stress, high pressure job, which required me to work a lot of hours, I kind of took the time to myself. And that was the first time where I just surrendered into my like, into just my emotional body, I would say. Like, I've just surrendered. I trust the universe. I'm more vulnerable. I'm just more, like, gentle. I take things a lot slower. And on my reports, I actually got that... They couldn't even find that diagnosis of PCOS very recently this year. Months into me, yeah, me stepping into my femininity. And that's why I so strongly believe in this polarity that it's like from what you said, like there are a lot of roles like in the workforce and there are roles in our society and like the masculine energy and what men do in our society, it is vital. It's vital for women to feel like they can be women, for the feminine to feel safe in its femininity. And it's so crazy because I think I have attracted people into my life in the past that were super feminine or had like feminine qualities. And I think it was because I was masculine. So what you're saying about that choice that women are exerting and saying like, I actually choose not to be in certain like XYZ roles and companies, or I choose not to take on this responsibility. I think that's actually very intelligent because in your body as a woman, like for me now personally, I know what those opportunities are that I should stay away from. I know what those roles are that I should stay away from. And I know what I shouldn't be doing um, or stepping into to preserve my natural like feminine energies that actually keep me healthy on a hormonal level, if that makes sense, on a very biological and hormonal level. Now, I'm just thinking from the perspective of a man hearing this, right? So it's sort of like they're set out in society to take on the more strenuous labor. And what if there was a man who goes against that and he feels like, oh, I don't want to be this type of masculine energy? Like, how does that fit in the scheme of things? I think that's totally fine. I have looked into research, though, that a lot of erectile dysfunction in men and a lot of like just not being able to perform in the bedroom just things like that do stem from very low testosterone levels which comes from your masculine energies not being very dominant so a lot of like very like men who are too in their feminine um actually statistically 
you know, don't don't kill the messenger here. <laughs> Do statistically um, have more feminine energy. So I think it's absolutely fine if a man chooses that they actually want to be more in their feminine. That's fine. But they might find themselves attracting women or other men if it's a same-sex couple who are more in their masculine because that polarity is going to exist. Two feminine energies, like, cannot work out. Like, it's it wouldn't work out. I'm very, like, I have a very traditional mindset on these things. I have a very scientific and spiritual mindset on these things. Does that kind of make sense? Like, I think it's totally fine. You have your choices, but, like, you don't know how that's going to play out. That makes sense. You're you're just saying, like, even if they present more of their feminine energy, by your polarity theory, they are more likely to attract someone who's in the masculine. Absolutely, yeah. Because they need a container for their femininity. Because... The, the feminine like naturally in like a traditional con- context the feminine opens up the masculine's vulnerability so like if he's already feminine like he doesn't need any more opening up so do you feel like relationships are doomed if a woman is unable to thrive in her fem- femininity and if a man is not expressing enough of his masculinity it's only doomed if you're a woman saying that you're looking for a masculine man like me, for example, (laughs) 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 to put my business out there. Like if I'm saying I'm looking for a masculine man, then I need to step out of my masculinity to attract Mm -hmm. that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's no problem with me being more in my masculine energies all the time. There's absolutely no problem with that. But then I have to be mindful that I might not be attracting that into my life. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, it's not a matter of right and wrong. Yeah, and from your experience, you feel that by stepping into your masculine way too much could also be detrimental to your health. That's my theory that I wanted to trademark. Yes, I think that hormonally for women, and I've spoken to other women too that have like this condition I'm talking about, PCOS for example, um, and even some autoimmune conditions where they had very stressful lives. Now this could be a huge generalization, but they might have had like a tough childhood or a tough upbringing or just a lot of stresses in their life which threw their hormones off balance. And I I think that everything is connected. I'm very into like holistic wellness and like how things are holistically connected. I don't think that like, you know, psychiatry is separate from like psychology is separate from going to the doctor, from having like a coach. Like I think that everything is connected, you know, and one thing we have separated all of our like um, areas of expertise and we think that everything is like binary, but I don't think so. I think everything's connected. Your health is connected with your mind, with your hormones, with your job, you know, with everything. Your, like, families. I think everything's connected. So that's why I did want to get into these, like, energies of, like, masculinity and femininity because we're looking at things, like, we can look at it from, like, the workforce and we can look at it from what's happening in families. But it is affecting our people. Like, these are real people. These are real women that are taking on, like, all types of roles in the workplaces and these are men now that are stay-at-home fathers that are no longer being the breadwinners women are taking women have more are more educated now than men like more women go to college than men like how this is going to play out in our society in the next like 10 20 30 40 years like things are going to look very different if we continue this way and so there shouldn't be any confusion where like women want certain things done like there's so much confusion right now i think that's what we're trying to say I think bringing up the hormonal thing is very important because I also recently had a consultation to possibly diagnose myself with like PMDD. 
um, which is also a hormonal imbalance. And it's something that, you know, I, I'm not I'm just sure I have yet, but I can see the fluctuations of my energy every single month, the effect it has on my mental health. And, you know, your hormones can be running amok and could be a huge issue to your health. And the current like structure of the work week is not meant for women. Um, yeah, I don't know what you think about that, but I've, I've been seeing some hot takes saying that the way, you know, p- women are with their periods and all that, we're compared to like the moon cycle, for instance, mm-hmm. whereas men's cycles are compared to the sun, you know, night and day. Oh, yeah. But for us, it's like a total like 28, you know, 30 day cycle where each week our hormones slightly fluctuate differently. And as a result, we perform differently. It's so right. Like getting down to the hormonal level, like you're saying. A woman goes hard. I remember I used to go to Orange Theory and Orange Theory is like super intense for anyone that like goes to Orange Theory classes. Really intense. And having the PCOS, my period that month, like it skipped. Like my menstrual cycle, it didn't come like when I started on Orange Theory. And it was because my body was under so much stress, so much physical stress. So what you're saying with like the workforce and that like maybe a five-day work week or like super long hours and things like that are actually not meant for women. Yeah, on a hormonal level, it fluctuates your hormones when you're under stressful periods, like like a lot of stress like that. It affects men very differently to work 80 hours a week as opposed to how it would affect a woman on a hormonal level. So I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think that that is why like we are actually not designed like the way that things work or something that a man would be able to manage, a, f- a woman's body is not hormonally and biologically designed to sustain the same impact and same level of stress. Whatever we say might come out as generalizations, but to the viewers, just know that we did do research on this and we are speaking from our own experiences. So of course, this isn't going to apply to every single person. You know, like if you are a woman who was doing those like 80 hour work weeks, being a boss lady, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I I could tell you from being on both ends of the spectrum, like from my own personal experiences, like I am speaking from my own personal experiences along backed by the research that we have done, but everyone is different. Everyone's story is different. But make no mistake, there is this lack of clarity right now in our society because boys are not being raised the same way that boys were raised back in the day. You know, millennial men, older millennial men, they're very different from like the lower Gen Zs and how like things are are operating. So we're just trying to kind of dissect why these disparities exist. Can you elaborate more on the differences in how Gen Z men are raised compared to older millennial men? Okay, so I'm going to have to refer to, I'm just going to have to refer to a source. So I was watching Steve Harvey's, his like man cave, the BET man cave. Um, The best way to describe it is a bunch of masculine men (laughs) sit together and they just have talks, you know, dude talks. So I like listening in on dude talk and seeing what they're saying to one another. And I, I know I was talking to you about this earlier, but... They were interviewing these young boys. They're definitely, some of them are definitely Gen Z um, because they were pretty young. And they were just asking questions like, 
what if your woman got on one knee and proposed to you you know would you pay on a first date would you ask a, like would you expect a woman to pay on a first date and there are a lot of boys growing up like a lot of answers were like yeah like I would I would expect a woman to pay on the first date or oh I have no problems if um my woman is providing for me and doing everything for me and if I you know stay at home and, and cook and clean and things like that um and then some of the older men that were interviewed ones who maybe were raised by men who were in these traditional nuclear families their take was like like Steve Harvey for instance he's older he's more of like a traditional man he quote I literally quote he said this I can't give my sons I can't give my sons and I can't give my daughters the vision of a man sitting in the house while the woman is out getting the bread because a lot of very traditional men think this way that they think that these boys that are growing up now they're like like they're just growing up in such a different time like things things weren't that way before like a lot of older men are like no it gives me worth it it makes me feel good when the person that I'm with is provided for protected cared for it makes me feel good it makes me feel more confident I like that but if these Gen Zers if these like younger boys who are growing up raised like with um a different set of values and watching women kind of run the world they're like okay well I guess I women are running the world I kind of sit back now I'm gonna sit back and um figure out well like what I'm supposed to do like what what am I supposed to do and and that's where those lines are getting blurred so for you to listen to both sides right do you think there's a correct way of thinking I don't think there's a correct way. I think everyone has their own opinions and I have my own. <laughs> Do you think that there's a correct way? No, I mean, as I mentioned before, I think it really comes down to choice. If that is what you want to do, you know, if you are a woman who wants to work more, good for you. If you're a man who wants to be a caretaker, amazing. I, I don't think we should be locked into these gender roles. Okay, yeah. And then, so then when we're looking at nuclear family, which is what we wanted to kind of cover the traditional nuclear family, yes, it's being broken down. Because in a traditional nuclear family, the patriarchy provides financial stability and the matriarchy is the caretaker of the family. And now as we have our LGBTQ communities, same-sex couples, people who just play different roles in the workforce, you know, women out there getting the bread, men at home um, cooking and cleaning, the nuclear family is no longer what the nuclear family used to be. So perhaps then tangentially feminism women empowerment and the changing gender roles has broken down the traditional nuclear family thank you so much for tuning into lucid in translation this has been kim and trisha feel free to check us out on instagram at lucid in translation and for any serious inquiries you can email us at lucid translation at gmail.com thank you for the support don't forget to rate us five stars and we'll see you next time bye